Last week on Waka Football, Pat takes all the credit for Arsenal's revival, having laid into Xhaka and then anointing Ramsey as their most important player. That he was behind the midfield, in between the midfield and the defence, trying to sweep, sweep things up, just delaying any counter-attacks just enough so our, our other midfielders could get back and our, and our wing-backs could get, get back in shape. It, it was fantastic. We looked completely different defensively. I think Renger is uh, agreeing with us. He's gone, I'm resting Ramsey for the important second leg against AC Milan. Yeah. Because why? Because he is the most important player. Good on you, Renger. Two wins since you've listened to us and no losses. We'll see how that goes. Dan thinks he's finally nailed an unambiguous trivia question. Clear enough for you, boy. The other two teams that haven't beaten Tottenham since they've been promoted. Uh, other two teams that Bournemouth have been beaten. Dan's big questions. I love this. I mean, then Dan makes it clear he's on Lovren watch for the rest of the season. Well, Chaz, you told us a couple of weeks ago that Lovren has five out of six good games. That was it as well. Jazz leaves no one uncertain of his love for Jordan Henderson. Imagine if he'd actually played the game. I think who we really missed yesterday was Jordan Henderson. Um, it's no secret I'm a big Henderson. Uh, it's no secret I'm a big Henderson fan. I really think with the squad we had, I would have gone with Jordan Henderson. That's why I really miss Jordan Henderson because he's he's really helped out Trent and Lovren. Again, I've sound like a stuck record, but Jordan Henderson. I, I... And finally, after anointing Firmino ahead of Salah as Liverpool's most important player, Con will have some quick talking to do after Salah's four goals on the weekend. Let's hope he's got a better rehearsed answer than last week. Because you can only keep one. <laughs> you could only keep one of them. You, you keep Firmino uh, and let Salo go. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Tough one. You have really put it in there. That, yeah. It's such a, a tough one because you've got the goal, Salah. But I, um, oh, I, I... That's a bloody tough question, man. Tough. Well, you were missing both of them yesterday. Con said Firmino and he's already backed off. Yes, welcome to What the Football, the podcast where we are not afraid to scratch the surface. I'm Patrick Gilbert and joining me today are my co-hosts in Texas, Jared Southern, and in Australia, we got Con Taylor. How are you boys? Good and you, Pat. Good morning, good morning. Now, it's somewhat convenient that we're missing our Chelsea and Manchester United co-hosts today after what can only just be described as very disappointing results over the past seven days. Do you, do you think this is a deliberate miss or do you think they've got valid reasons? I have standard, no doubt. Standard tactic from these manks. <laughs> uh, but we've got the two most important because there was a lot of, uh, a lot of a lot of information that uh, that both Con and um, Jazz raised last week, which I'm sure you want to get back to. Uh, and, and for such a small round of EPL, there's such a lot of talking points. We're going to get around to <coughs> Europe, including Manchester United's shock exit from the Champions League, and then to the Premier League for Salah's day out against Watford. Valuable wins for Bournemouth and Crystal Palace, a standing win for Everton. We'll get around to some interesting comments from Conte and Mourinho. But first, let's start off with the segment that everyone enjoys. It is Dan's WTF Trivia. Dan's not the star today. It's going to be Con Taylor, the star of this segment. In Dan's absence, I'm sure he'll do just as good a job, if not better. So, Con, can you give us a question which is clear, straightforward, easy for us to understand? No problem. One thing I can tell you is that I won't. It won't be Dan's uh, questions this week. It'll be pretty clear. <laughs> so I'll fire away with this one. It's a tricky one, but an interesting one. The highest scoring. Premier League game finished 7-4, if you didn't know. So 11 goals were scored in that game. My question is, which two teams played? Ooh. That's a we good one. That one. And, and it is fairly, that was fairly clear. I think you need to give Dan a bit of coaching when he gets back. 
<laughs> very clear, very, very clear. And I will give you an actual tip just to make it easier. Not that it's going to make it easier. Um, but none of these teams currently play in the Premier League today. Okay, excellent. I'll so, let you stew over that one. Yes, we'll stew over it. You can come back to us with the answer later on in the podcast. Good one, Con, good one. As I said, there's been a lot of happenings in England and in, in Europe over the past seven days since our last podcast, and a lot of different results to what we had seven days ago. And, and what I want to be clear that at this podcast, we don't want to contribute to the all too prevalent seven day news cycle that seems to exist around us where opinions seem to change weekly based upon one good game or bad game, which, which is also why we'll be at pains at this podcast to keep our other co-hosts honest with points they've made in previous weeks. And you would have heard in the intro that we are all on Lovren watch and Henderson watch for Jazz, Firmino and Salah watch for Con, and I assume Xhaka and Ramsey watch for me. I'll definitely be keen on exploring the Firmino Salah conversation with Con very soon and checking out how Henderson went on the weekend with Jazz. And we also think this also needs to be done for the actual matches and teams themselves when we go about our, max, our next match reviews. I, for example, I'd especially like to delve into how Manchester United went from a great result versus Liverpool to a terrible one versus Sevilla. And, and similar, what changes Liverpool may have made to go from a disappointing result versus United to a, what can only be termed as brilliant result against Watford. So we're not going to say Man United are suddenly terrible after they were brilliant seven days earlier, but what changed? How did they lose? And, and similar to Liverpool, have they fixed the problems that were against United? And was that just a blip, or do they have to still have to work on it? So guys, as we launch into our match analysis... Keep that in mind. And in that vein, let's start off with the two Liverpool supporters. So, Liverpool, you both are very disappointed against United. But since then, a four-goal performance from Salah, big 5 the win over yeah. Watford. Tell me, did things change? Or is it just a matter of fact you're playing against lesser opposition? Yeah, I think you have to... you got to look at the opposition Watford, I think, in the long... I think the commentator on NBC said in the last eight have got one point away from home. So, yeah, you got to look at the opposition where the, the game was played. Um, and then also, I think the United game frustrated Jurgen Klopp, um, would have frustrated the players, and you, you kind of it kind of ensues the reaction. And unfortunately, Watford won the end of a shambuck yesterday. Um, it was five, it could have been more. Um, Salah was decided to, uh, Salah was like the 2013-14 Luis Suarez. Um, he got four, he's, he was hunting for five, six. He just has an incredible appetite to score goals. Uh, he chases everything. And he was, man, he was absolutely incredible yesterday. Um, our midfield, you know, when Emre Chan came off, we, you know, Muna came on. We just seemed so much more energetic. Sadio Mane was chased everything. Roberto Firmino again, his, his usual self. And then, I mean, he, he, I think I think all media outlets around the world have had words to describe. So, you know, they're starting to compare him with Lionel Messi, which is a bit crazy. Um, you know, you're talking about one of the greatest players in history. So the comparisons like a little bit crazy, but. Uh, I mean, poor Leon Brutos, not going to want to watch that game again. Uh, <laughs> first goal. That first goal was Messi, uh, Jerome Boateng. He left him on his ass. Um, no professional player wants to see that. I mean, I don't know if you saw, there was a clip right at the end of the game where Salah went and apologised to the goalkeeper. He, you could actually see him say, I'm sorry. You know, put four past him. And he, I mean, the guy is so humble. It's, it's almost impossible to hate Salah. Uh, you know, United fans on Twitter even retweeting stuff about Salah. You know, no one, no one really has a bad thing to say about him. He just humble, goes about his work, and he's just—I mean—he scored 20, 28 goals this season. He's the fastest. He's scored the most goals in a Liverpool player in our history in their first season. That's even more than players like Mark Lowe and Robbie Fowler, Ken Dalglish, and uh, Fernando Torres. So. I mean, back to yesterday's game, compared to the United game, uh, Watford didn't have any going forward besides 
20 minutes, maybe in the first half between our first and second goal, um, where, and I know, I'm going to have to point the flame on Jordan Henderson, yeah, but he, he gave away two passes, which led to them getting into our half. But other than that, they never had anything going forward. Uh, we got our second goal, and it was tickets. Um, second half came, and I don't think last year's, I think he touched the ball twice. And you know, Watford were just you know, outdone by the third. You know, Roberto from that goal. I mean, Con, Con was saying last week how he's our most important player. And yeah, you know, you, you would say, who would you rather sell, him or Salah? You, you know, that's a hard one to answer. But I mean, Mino's quality is just, uh, he has a relatively quiet game and then pops up and scores a cheeky back heel like that. You have no right to score a goal like that in the Premier League. No, that was brilliant. Yeah. And, and just just to continue continue on that, so you you said that Salah's been now compared to Messi, and obviously best best scoring crazy, records than anyone else happens. in anyone else in Liverpool. I've, I haven't heard Firmino being compared to Messi yet. So I just want to go over to Con, who yesterday <laughs> last week said that he would sell Salah if he had to to keep Firmino. So is that still <laughs> is that still the case, Con? Oh, Pat, yeah, I love your questions. They're brilliant. Yeah, look, um, the reality is I think, you know, Jazz touched on it. And I was reading an article the other day that was that ascribed uh, Mino to an absolute T. You know, he's a defender, he's a midfielder, he's an attacker. He's all three in one. And it's very hard to find a player um, more in tune with what his strengths are than someone like Firmino. I think what the Watford game highlighted again for me, uh, there was there were times where Firmino lost the ball up top and, you know, through his sheer determination, grit and desire, works all the way back and making the tackle sort of in, in, in the uh, back third of the Liverpool um, uh, shape and formation. Really, really interesting to see how a player, you know, like him is able to actually not only press up from high, but then work back and actually win the ball. The amount of tackles he put in on on uh, Saturday was was phenomenal. It's just goes from strength to strength, and I I still maintain that his ability to create the space um, for players like your Mane's and your Salah that makes them the players that they are. His movement up front is just exceptional. His his press, as I said before, is just is something to behold. So. You know, for me, I still think that, um, you know, you take him out and you put put a, put a more natural number nine in there and all of a sudden you, you're not getting the space and the movement of the player that you have around you. So, look, we can go back and forth with the Salah Firmino thing, but Firmino, for what we are and the shape we play and the way we play and the players we have around him, he's still without doubt the, uh, the most important player in that Liverpool formation and team. So... Mate, it's still Firmino for me. Salah was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, there's no taking away from that scoring four goals. The thing with Salah that amazes me, and you don't get this with a lot of players, is that no matter what, he just seems to be in the right position. You know, he, he's the type of player that will always get a chance, always, in every single game, and it's the position that he's in. I you know I take the Danny Ings... I think it was his fourth goal, Salah's uh, fourth goal yesterday. The Danny Ings situation, you know, Danny Ings should have scored from that from that shot, but who's standing there waiting to put it in the net? Just just happens to be in the right position, is Salah. So he's got a real knack of being in that position, being in the in, in a situation where it's the opportunity to score, and that's why he has 28 goals in the Premier League and 36 in all competitions. He's um, he's been absolutely brilliant, and uh, you know Paul Watford were absolutely blown away by by Liverpool. And just to touch on the game, you know you asked the question as to why it was different to the Man United game, and I you know I sat here watching the game going. It's very it's very easy to sort of say yes, you can defend and just shut a team like Liverpool out, but to execute that game plan to a T takes extreme discipline. And I think someone like Mar- though it pains me to say it, is, is a master at, um, you know, those sort of defensive tactics or when it comes to shutting teams out. Watford sort of tried it at the start. Obviously, we got that early goal within the three 
I think it was three to four minutes. So their game plan went completely out of the window. Um, and it's a lot harder to try and shut down a team like Liverpool when you have, you know, the the, the ability and of Firmino Mane and, and uh, you know, the, the true talent of Salah just absolutely tearing defences apart. So I think we saw that against, the, against Watford and, you know, the result was just absolutely brilliant and uh, one to build on from that United loss. Is there something you could take from the Watford game when you play against one of the top teams again? Uh, where I want to go with that is that, Jazz, you mentioned that I think your favourite person, Jordan Henderson, was in the team this week. Yeah. I, I, was, I was expecting you to claim that he made all the difference. So is, is, is the formation and the team you put out on the weekend what you should have put out against Manchester United? And did you change anything up tactically? I think... I think that's closest to my strongest eleven that we can get all players fit. Uh, you might, some might argue that Lovren would go my tip next to VVD in the centre of defence, and then Henderson in midfield. It's just a question of who do we put in there? Do we put Chan? Do we put Wijnaldum? To me, Wijnaldum's got to play. Uh, Henderson's got to play. Then you have the do you, do you go with Ox? Do you go with Milner? Or do you go with Chan? So that's you know. On their day, any one of those three players could make a difference. I, I liked Mo- your comment least. last week about leaving something in the garage if you need to chase a game, and you didn't think yeah, you had yeah, anything that's, left that's in there against like United. About, that's what I like about Ox. Yeah, so with Ox, I mean, I guess he might not like it, even though you might like being kept in the garage. That's sort of what he did at Arsenal when he left. <laughs> Con, Con I, I admire you sticking to your guns, mate. Really, I really do. I think I think you're you're trying to find someone different, and but uh, and someone not obvious. But seriously, if I'm not sure, I agree to tell you the truth. If if Salah was not in your team this year, I would struggle to figure out where you would finish. You take his goals out there and his impact that he's had. Um, well, yeah. Look, I I imagine I get a lot of. Um, a lot of questions coming back from, from, you know, opposition supporters and so forth. But all I can say is this, and this should really put into perspective, you know, where last year, when you look at it, how many goals did we score in the league? You know, we weren't exactly short of scoring goals last year. And we didn't have Mohamed Salah. Now we have one player that's performing exceptionally beyond um, anyone's sort of imagination. However, I think last year we probably had a more um, diverse uh, score group. You had a player like Philip Coutinho that obviously contributed as well. You probably had on average the, the three attack players probably getting around that 12 to 13 uh, goals in the Premier League, that is, uh, for the season. I just think that scoring has never really been an issue for us. I think one thing that has made a huge difference to the team this year and it's, it's probably on the other side of the park. I think VVD is proving his worth um, exponentially. I just the calmness with Liverpool in their defending, um, that which was never there prior to his, his arrival. He exudes confidence on the team, and I think his ability to marshal and talk across the park is just sort of bringing the whole anxiety around the way we defend right down. And you can see it in, in the fact that when we're keeping these clean sheets, actually, we're actually now becoming better at controlling the tempo of the game and controlling the different situations that a 90 minutes can deliver. You know, you go to a 90-minute period and find yourself you know, either controlling the game or having your backs against the wall or having to actually defend because you're defending a 2-0 lead. What I find now is when we're actually defending those leads, we seem to be taking full control of the situation and not looking nervous and anxious. So I think VVD has been brilliant in that department in, in, in giving us a nice space across that defence mark. But, um, you know, switching back to up top, you know, there's, there's no denying what Salah has brought to the team and the goals he's brought. I just feel that scoring has never been an issue for us, regardless of the personnel um, that has been there. Salah has lifted that to a whole new new level so to speak. And I think, um, you know, I, I still challenge a lot of people and I still think that, you know, with 
doubt for me in New York top is that at that number nine, I still think we're not the same team without him. I think losing him becomes even more difficult to replace a player of his specific skill set, which couldn't suit Klopp's style of play anymore than it would be, you know, a player like Salah. Because like I said to you, we've had players that score goals. We're a free-flowing scoring team. And um, I can't see that changing unless, you know, we take a player like Firmino out of that team. Well, I'm I'm certainly going to be on Salah Firmino watch over the next few weeks. Although I've, I've been looking at the fixture and you're not, you shouldn't really be challenged over the next three or four weeks. You've got Crystal Palace, yes. Everton, Bournemouth. I mean, it might be it might be a few more weeks after that until we get to see in a crunch game who who can do it. In the Champions because, League. Yeah, yes, actually, Champions League be a good one. Has that has that draw happened at, at time of recording? Yes, it has. Who have yeah. you got? And it's exciting. Um, we've got the, uh, the money bag, uh, Manchester City. So Yeah, the two English teams are against each other. Funny that, isn't it, Jazz? Three Spanish teams. The three Spanish not teams. Them, <laughs> not one of them get drawn against each other, two English teams. Oh, there you go. You guys can play each other. Yeah, it's crazy, that. Crazy. The, the, the director crazy. of football's uh, Matt's director of football, his reaction to drawing Liverpool was priceless. He kind of pulled a tie away from his collar. He's got a bit of hot underneath the collar there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Liverpool um, were definitely not the favourites to win the competition. You know, Man City are one of the favourite teams to win. Uh, but Liverpool is not a team you want to play in Europe. I don't know something about our team that uh, European market infield is just. What it is, man. There's been so many games over the years. Just most recently, that Dortmund game. You know, you look at you just look at games. Like, when, no way that our team should have, the team we had should have come back to win when we threw one down against that Dortmund side. Not so, a chance. I don't know. There's been you know that Olympiacos three-one win when we needed to win by two clear goals to go through. Uh, there's just been I don't know. There's like a romance to it. So. I noticed on Twitter, Jazz, we asked following you on Twitter, yeah. and, and then everyone can follow all of us on Twitter at WT underscore, underscore football. It's WT underscore football. And I noticed, Jazz, you were quite upbeat after drawing Manchester City. You mentioned yeah. a comment about uh, the, the easiest away leg that you could get. It, it is. I'd, ra- I'd, rather, I'd, rather go to, I'd rather go to Etihad than go to Barcelona or Bernabeu. I, I don't want to go. I didn't want to draw Seville. I don't know. They they're a lot better than people give them credit for. We struggled against them twice. They beat us in the Europa League final. They've Did well, you say we struggled against Seville. We, str- we struggled in the, in the second. We did the second we half. Three nil up. Yeah, well, the second half of the second leg, we should never have lost or never have drawn at least. Was that but, what uh, bloody doing? Not Seville. I want to t- touch upon, before we get into Europe a bit more, I wanted to just mention a couple of points that Jazz brought up earlier about, one of them was about Salah, about him being pretty much universally liked. And and I, I think that in today's age of the really self-absorbed megastar, it is really refreshing to see someone like Salah who just, as Jazz says, just seems to be going about his job with humility, and but with confidence at the same time. And it's just great great to see that type of personality out there and, and he's right I mean I, I watch him I watch him scoring goals and I should hate him because I'm Arsenal he's Liverpool but mate he's a likeable chap and he just he's got he's, he's got no pretentiousness about him at all he's just brilliant to watch brilliant to watch so I want to applaud him for that and and one thing that I like about Liverpool in what I saw of the game I mean they were hammering completely hammering they just hammering Watford seriously and but Apart from that Firmino goal, what I liked is what they were just doing the simple things. And when you do the simple things, it's it's amazing how how many goals you score. And and I just want to go a bit on 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 Xhaka watch for myself here because he scored he scored a goal over in the in the Champions League in the Europa League for us in our in our lucky five one aggregate win over Milan according to some papers. I need to call out Xhaka because I gave him a lot of a lot of uh, stick the previous week, or a couple of weeks, and, and he scored a goal, so I've got to call that out. But what I want to say is, 
similar to how with Liverpool, how amazing it is when you do the simple things right, you, your team plays well and scores more goals, I think it also goes for you as a player. I think when you are doing your job and in the right spot for your job and doing the role that the team wants you to play, it's amazing how you start scoring goals too. Whereas if you go out there saying, I'm going to be the one to score and try and do more than your job, then that's when goals come hard come hard to hard to come by. And, and I think it's no, it's, it's no surprise that Jack has scored finally after a long time when he's actually been playing the last couple of weeks the most disciplined style of football that he's, that he's been playing probably since he joined. And the, the goals will come, mate. If, if he keeps doing that, the goals will come. Having said that about Jaka, let's launch into our next segment before we move into some of the other Europa and Premier League matches. Oh, my favourite season. Beautiful. The What the Football Wanker of the Week. I hope you boys have got some good ones for us. I think it picked itself this week, if you ask me. I'll be be surprised if the three of us didn't get the same person. I I deliberately didn't go the United route, because I figured you guys would. Is that who you're thinking of? Oh, no no, no doubt. Is there anyone else? Okay, well, tell me why. I will will, will try try to defend Jose against seeing that Dan's not here. So tell me, give, give me what you got. Good luck. You want to hey, crack Jazz or shall I? You, uh, you go ahead. Look, it was absolutely priceless. It was funny too because um, it was a Manchester United supporter and a diode supporter that, that sent me the link to his um, pre-Brighton uh, press conference. And I just said, oh, I don't really want to watch this. But anyway, I jumped on and listened to it. My gosh, the man had a meltdown of sorts with, with that sort of uh, press conference that gave you just some of his logic and things he was saying was just un, absolutely unbelievable. I mean, he had already started when he spoke um, after the severe game and the loss and talking about, you know, how he's, you know, these things happen and he's guided other teams to beating United, talking about obviously his Porto team and, um, can't remember who the other team was, but you know, you talk about how he's knocked United out of the Champions League before at the quarterfinal stages, and that you know this was new. And I was trying to understand what his reference was. Was he trying to say that he's uh, basically succeeded in helping knock United out again against Sevilla by those sh- tactics he employed over the two legs? Um, you know, and then he tried to play it down in a strange way that. You know, Sevilla, he spoke about Sevilla being this absolutely brilliant team that really, uh, you know, caught on, on the day with the, with the team that went out and won. And, you know, United shouldn't feel hard done by it, the fact that they've lost. Um, and then he went on to say that, you know, what difference does it make if we lose the last 16 quarterfinals? I just, you know, we've lost in the last 16. We were never going to win it. But if I come out and say we're not going to win it, then I look bad. It was just the weirdest, strangest rant I've ever heard by a manager of a club, you know, whose expectations and, and uh, stature in the game is second to none. So to play it down like losing to Sevilla is okay and should be accepted for the fans. And, you know, you, using the, the notion that um, they wouldn't have won it anyway, so who gives a damn when we went out, is absolutely insanity. And I just I think it's showing the cracks and the pressure that you know Bruno may be feeling, and the fact that the season hasn't quite gone to plan um, in the way that he sort of wanted or, or thought that it would, be, or the way that the media hyped it up in you know the Mourinho second season syndrome type of thing. So I think it's uh, definitely my wing of the week again, second time this season is is Jose. <laughs> Well, you know, the crazy thing for me, Con, was his two comments. One was the he we banged on about heritage. I was like, I have no idea what he's what's he going at. Yeah. Is, 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 is not, like, 
Was he, is he trying to like downplay United? I don't know. I don't know what he was going on about when he was going on about heritage. And then his comment when he made about, you know, Liverpool are in the Champions League, but United are in the FA Cup. I was like, what are you? I have no idea what he is on about. <laughs> if you can't even compare the two competitions. So, anyway. But yeah, definitely is definitely that wanker of the week for me too. Well, you want me to defend him? Well, I thought about it, and seriously, I think that my heart is just not in it. I'm quite happy for him to be wanker of the week, to tell you the truth. And I, I agree, it, it just stunk of someone who's getting a little bit desperate, feeling the pressure, as Con said, and trying to justify their position in the game, despite poor recent results. I mean, going back about oh, Manchester United haven't won the Champions League for X years, and when I was there, they were there. And I mean, that, that sort of stuff which you don't want from your manager. I mean, seriously, just focus on the game, focus on your current team, and do your best job. Don't stand around soapboxing and justifying your position in the game. I, I, I think that's quite pathetic. So quite happy for him to be your wankers of the week. For, for me, I, I had a few nominations. First of all, it was that I thought about nominating our Robot Wars commentator again from watching both legs of the Arsenal versus AC Milan game. But what happened was what happened was the, the camera flashed to Arsene sitting on the bench and then it flashed away and the, the comment was, Oh, Arsene Wenger looking very concerned on the sidelines. I'm thinking, when does he not look concerned? If, if you flash to Arsene Wenger at any stage in a game, he's never smiling. He's, ne- he's ne- never looking happy about anything. He's always looking the same exact expression on his face. So, so to me, that's just that's just a, a drive-by comment to to post to to basically pop in at any point in a game where you want to say, "Oh, Arsenal looking concerned." You just do a photo of Wenger. But so so I, I think you've got to find this guy's name, Pat. Yes, I will. I will. But but I'm not going to do it because I can't <laughs> nominate nominate him twice in a row. It could have been the press reporting that Arsenal rode their luck against AC Milan. I mean, guys, it was a five-one aggregate victory. We must have been fucking lucky to win five-one over two leagues. Seriously, that is that is not luck. That must have been a lot of luck. So come on, well, guys. you know, if, if, Dan, if Dan was around, you'd probably tell you were lucky. You know, we beat Porto five-nil, and he said, "No, nah, nothing." So 5-0s to him mean nothing. So maybe some people will share the sentiments. Exactly. That's so. But yeah, I'll, I'll take it up with Dan. And so I thought, let me let me go a bit more left field, and I was I was trolling Twitter a bit, and and I found some posts by our Benjamin Mendy from Manchester City, and he's he's coming out lately with a lot of self congratulatory tweets about Manchester City's performances, like like tweeting stuff like, "Oh, I'm sorry, guys, we are just too good," and all that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, Benjamin, you haven't played. You haven't contributed to this. I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean, what's this guy going to be like when he actually plays a game and does something good? He's just been sitting on the sidelines, basking in the glory, sledging people on Twitter about how good good his team is. Mate, contribute, then start posting self-glorification Twitter messages. So for me, Mendy is my wanker of the week. Oh, got him. Got him, yes. I'm going to be watching him carefully from here on in. Okay. I'm going to have to follow him on Twitter then and see some self congratulatory oh, if, if, if you tweets. If you thought that uh, Pogba was bad on Twitter, mate, watch this dude. Anyway, moving yeah. on. <laughs> Speaking of, of United, we, we want to just touch upon probably more, a bit more than briefly their exit at the hands of Sevilla. Yeah. Once, and once again, what was different about the tactical masterclass that he put on against Liverpool to him implementing what seemed to be almost the same tactics against Sevilla and it being a disaster. Yeah, that bloody Mickey Mouse in the field, Marion Fellaini. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a footballer. <laughs> what is he, Jazz? Uh, I don't know. I mean, come on. If, 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 you, if you rewound, remember Con when we were under 14 days playing in Marisburg in the FA and we had sound by all those diehard United fans? Imagine telling them that a player like Marion Fellaini would be at your center of the field commanding things. <laughs> they, they would probably slap you in the face. 
I, mean, I can't disagree with that. What does he do besides elbow people in the face and get away with murder? What? What? Oh. He doesn't. You know, people go on about how bad Jordan Henderson is, or how bad <laughs> you know Jack Wilshere is. What about Falang? What is? I don't. Know. I don't know what he does. I wish Dan was here to explain to us what he, what he actually brings to that team besides an aerial threat. And as do Man United want to be a rich West Bromwich Albion? It's an interesting one, James, because it was one of those strange selections from Mourinho that I just, for the life of me, could not understand. Yeah, and then he changed from... Lingard. Yeah. Or Rashford. So he put Rashford on the right instead of on the left where he scored two against Liverpool. So I don't know. It's as if he overthought the whole thing, because why the shape in that change for Sevilla and he... It went from the first game. If you go back to the first game against Sevilla, where they approached the game very negatively down in Spain, and yeah. you know they were lucky to even get a draw in the amount of chances that Sevilla actually had that game. But Sevilla had been... I mean, we, you, you spoke about that we struggled against them. I feel we scored five goals against them and then still somehow came two draws. And one of those games, yeah. we were 3-0 up. Defensively, they are an absolute shambles. They are sitting fourth in the Spanish league, I think it is, and they have a negative goal difference. They got thrashed by, it was one of the teams in our Champions League group, I can't remember their name, but they lost 5-1 to them. And then won the following week against the same team, I think it was 4-0. So they can score goals, no doubt about it. But United did not put them under any sort of pressure in that second leg. Again, Mourinho came with these same defensive sort of minded tactics. Oh, you know, we'll, sort of, we'll see how the game pans out. We won't give anything away. We'll nick a goal. Typical of Jose, just typical in these sort of matches um, where it's all about the result. Yeah. And he didn't get the result in the end. And he has to be, he has to be um, challenged on that because it's pathetic. I, I'm sorry, but he can talk about Sevilla and they've been, he tried to draw since Sevilla being so successful in Europe and how great they've been and United haven't been around in Europe for a while. and I mean, just utter bullshit as far as I'm concerned. You should not be losing in a, in a last 16 tie against a pretty poor Sevilla team. Your four years ago, they... Sevilla were very strong. But right now... They lost one. 100%. They Absolutely. I think if Dan were Absolutely. here... I think if Dan were here, he'd point to... He'd suggest that Manchester United played the similar style. They played some more direct and also long ball style to try and exploit the Liverpool defence, but they also did the same against Sevilla, but Sevilla's defence were up to it. So he would suggest it's opposition-based. I think it's 100% opposition-based, yeah. That's a better, you think, you're saying Sevilla's defence was better than Liverpool's in coping with that style? Well, I just think they're a different. They approach the game in a different way to us, Sevilla. I don't think Sevilla are a team that presses up extent, very high mm, up up yep. a pitch. So what you find is you don't have a defensive line that's pretty much also playing extremely high. One that's probably sitting a little bit deeper, which means that United obviously, you know, those balls that they're looking for in behind become a lot more difficult to actually find. And again, you know, I go back to that Liverpool game. The two bloody goals we conceded on the night were ridiculous, you know, not even in a, in a, from open play type of thing. It came from goal kicks. I think overall we, we, we dealt with United's threat um, really well. So I, I don't think that overall in the game United are creating a lot of chances against us. I just took the two lapses of concentration we had on the day cost us the game. But I yep. do think that, that with Sevilla, with Sevilla, the approach from United was so cumbersome and so slow and so stagnant that they got, you know, they got exactly what they deserved at night. And, you know, applauded to Sevilla, but that was, for me, more to do with the tactics adopted from Jose than how good a side Sevilla actually are. Okay, I want to bring up away goals for a second because I had a bit of a event about away goals last week and <laughs> and and just watching some of the how the teams approach their away leagues these days, I find pretty interesting because I'm from the, I remember I remember the George Graham days of Arsenal, when when 
mean, giving he, away he, your age now. <laughs> where, where, I mean, when Arsenal played in Europe, I mean, that, that, that was that was when back in the days where the Europe, best European clubs were easily better than the best English clubs. So, so England English clubs used to go to Europe basically feeling like they're almost on a hiding to nothing. But but George Graham used to used to approach these European legs differently. He used to basically set down, so set up the store to defend, and one nil to the Arsenal was the catchphrase. But he'd be happy with a nil or at home, and that and then he'd go 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 to the away league and then he'd attack because that's where you want the high scoring shootout in the away league because then if you draw one all, draw two all. I mean, you're getting you're getting the away goals, so you've actually got the advantage if you manage to keep the opposition scoreless at home. And if you do if you do escape with a, a one nil win or something, that's a bonus. But you keep them nil or at home, go away, and then then if it's a draw, you're probably going to win. So then he's he's shifting it in his favour. That was his style throughout Europe, and it seemed Manchester United approach it the opposite way. They they went defensive. Well, they went defensive both leagues really, but 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 but, so, but sometimes if you do go too defensive away from home. You're, you're missing out on, on an opportunity yeah. to potentially take advantage of the away goal wall. Um, yeah, so, so it's just just something I want to keep an eye on over the over the as the competition winds up to the grand final and and to see what teams what, what tactics teams employ when they're away from home in Europe. Uh, but 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 let's move on to a bit of the EPL. Um, we've got Everton. 2-1 over Stoke, and is it safe to say that Chentosan has, has finally arrived? Did, did anyone see that game? Watched it. it was like trying to trying to play spot the ball. That field <laughs> yeah. was covered in snow. And I, when I saw that Charlie Adam tackle on Rooney, if I was Rooney, I would have pretended it was a lot, it hurt a lot more than it did. It came off. It was it looked bloody freezing. Oh. It's a so fair play to them too from, from actually but yeah I mean I thought, I thought Wilcott played well Pat yeah, yeah he's, he's been uh, solid since he arrived yeah I don't know how much you miss him but I thought he was I thought he was an interesting one to let go uh, wasn't yeah. getting any game time so you know, I can understand why he wanted to leave yeah he was, but, he, uh, he, he, he was going to leave the the issue is that he's just you know, just get crowded out and, and he's his ability to take on players still isn't there. I still don't really see him doing it at Everton. He'll he'll be on the end of a pass, but yeah. but, but but like a lot of our team, we struggle to get the ball with defenders in front of us and then take on those defenders. And and I think I think he was surplus. I think the Ox was less surplus because he is one guy that sometimes does run at players and 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 go past them. Um, so that was a bit more disappointing to me losing the Ox. Yeah. But, but but I think I think that going back to Everton, there was a lot of conjecture when when Cheng Tosun actually came and and he took him a while to get into the team. Apparently he was unfit, but it's, I think it's fair to say he's he's worth every chink now. He's looking great. Yeah, he's, how many how many has he scored? I think he scored. He's almost it was almost a game of goals he's playing. So yeah, he's, he's scored what four or five in the past two or three. Yeah, now. so looking so, good. He's... Looking good. Um, Crystal Palace and Bournemouth, some I, very, I very important wins. <laughs> I was on TV, yeah, in America, and I was on baby duty in the morning. And uh, it was either that or the FA game. So when Sp- I saw Spurs go up, I, I watched the Premier League, and that was... Crystal Palace played really well. Came out, and they really attacked. They put Henderson in the field, went, went anywhere. Uh, then they got the goal off the corner. Uh, Tompkins came up and, yeah. It was a bit of a fumble, and, and he hit the technical away. But Crystal Palace were fully deserved there. You know when they got the penalty. Were they riding the back of back of Zaha as they normally do, or did they manage to Not really. team performance? I thought I thought uh, Jürgen Kabay when he came on off the bench was doing really well. I thought um, I can't, to pronounce his name Milena Jovanovic, who, who played in the middle. Milojovic. Uh, yeah, Milena, He was, but Huddersfield just really didn't play well at all. Uh, you know, when you get outplayed by a Roy Hodgson Crystal Palace team, you know you're having a bad day. And <laughs> it was... It was 
and 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 Dan will be happy that the that AFC Bournemouth got a late win against Cellar Dwellers West Brom because he's a big fan of them. I, th- I think a, a lot of us are really. So that's an important yeah. win for them. And and like yeah, Ju- and Ju- a great Ju- goal from Stanislas. Yeah, he's he's an exciting player. He's just been very injury prone. So if he can keep keep fit, he's very and valuable. And it's and it's nice to see Jordan Ibe scoring that. Mm. I liked him at Liverpool. He was never really good enough to stay. Then he went to Bournemouth and he just never did anything for him for a full season. He was quiet, didn't assist, didn't score. I was a bit worried for the lad. Uh, but this year he's, he's come up with a couple of goals. Scored one again yesterday. So I like the fact that he's, that he's starting to do something for Bournemouth. Because I think Bournemouth's a really good team for him. Good manager, good yeah. attacking style. Uh, pretty safe club. You know, they're not going to... I think they're pretty well run. Uh, so and a good place to develop as a player. And still young, I mean, he's not even, what, he's 21. So, yeah, you, you just hope like, hope, like Dan said last week, that Eddie Howe's given every chance because he plays a, a style of play everyone likes watching, that, that players like playing he for. Did. He's I had some had a bad right. year this year, but, but hey, he's been punching above his weight for a while now. So, so let's hope he, get, he gets, gets the luxury of one poor year and he survives and next year he can turn it around again. One, yes. one thing... To mention, how, I just want to say how poor, um, how poor West Brom at the moment. Oh, Absolutely diabolical. I mean, they're they're gone. They're, there's no saving that club at all. And Pardew has been absolutely hey. dreadful since he came. It's, it's a question I ask: Is it is it down to the old pods, or is it just that their their team is is or their squad is that poor? It's, it's understand because well, Con, you know you know they let go of Tony Pulis, right? Uh, yeah. You know, he's, he, he went to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough was 10th when he arrived. They're now sitting in the playoff positions. <laughs> so, there you go. How's that, huh? <laughs> in time, it's better, better the devil you know, right? Yeah, just... Uh, what, what, what were you going to get getting rid of Tony Pulis and getting Alan Bodgy? I mean, what, did they, what, what did West Brom really expect? So, yeah, and they're, they're sitting yeah. on 20, 20 points after 30 games. 20 points. That's... Yeah. That's terrible. They're seven points away from the second bottom team at the moment. It's oh, it's, a, it's, it's an embarrassing year so far for yeah, them. Um, and, and next week, what we're going to do, we're, we're going to get into a bit of a analysis of these cellar dwellers of the bottom half of the table, and 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 we're all going to come up with our predictions about who is safe, who's not safe, and who we actually think will go down. So we're, we're going to launch into a a bit more of an in-depth analysis in some of these these lower teams next week. But right now it's it's time. Everyone's been waiting with bated breath on the answer to this segment. Yes. Uh, football trivia, and I liked whoever's clicking on in the background. Obviously, getting into the Elton John music there. That's good <laughs> to see. And the, the the question that Con came up with, taking over from Daniel this week, is seven goals to four. With it was the previous highest, well, what is the current record for the highest scoring English Premier League game? And it's none. Neither of these teams are in the Premier League at the moment. And I am going to kick it off because I'm talking right now, and I get to first guess, and it. That the first team I'm going to guess is Newcastle. Oh no, they're in the Premier League. I shouldn't have said that. I was. <laughs> um, but that's that. That's <laughs> that oh my! Gee, I'm going to have to edit that out. That was no, horrible. Oh man, I was, I was thinking back to the uh, to the glory days of uh, Les Ferdinand and Alan. Uh, but anyway, okay, I'll, I'll, I've embarrassed myself enough. Go, Jazz, you, you have a go. I'm going to go ahead and say one of the teams was Barnsley. So you're uh, wrong. Okay, I'm going to sit the next one out too. Oh my goodness, a team that's not in there. Well, what were the big scoring teams? Well, you mentioned Middlesbrough before, but I'm not sure they would have been such high scoring in the, in the Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank days um, with Viduka in there and Janinho. I'll, I'll say Miss Middle, Middlesbrough, one of them. I'm going to have to say uh, not, Pat. Wow. Last guess, Jazz, before we 
show how bad we are at this trivia. I don't think any of us have ever got a trivia question right. Hey, I'm, I'm going to stick with the bees. I'm going to say Bradford. I just, yeah, I, I didn't say Bradford. I said Barnsley. I'm going to say Bradford. <laughs> I'm going to say you're incorrect again, mate. Ah, shut up, man. <laughs> Doesn't look like either one of you are going to get this. Hopefully, no, we you as listeners will. But yeah. I will tell you, in the highest scoring really game ever, it was 7-4, the two teams that played. Harry Redknapp coached one of these teams, and um, they used to be one of my favorite teams to watch, actually. I was quite sad when they went down. But, uh, the first, first team I had had, Portsmouth. Uh, Portsmouth. Was the first huh? one, yeah. Very Who scored the seven? to get. Ah, good question. I'm assuming the way they're written the trivia, it's actually Portsmouth that got the seven. Um, because their name is first and the score is highlighted as seven. Second team, they haven't been in the Premier League a while. I think they're in the playoff places this year. Um, not too sure, but I thought I remember seeing their name was none other than our beloved striped partners, Reading. So Portsmouth oh, yeah. versus Reading is the highest scoring Premier wow. League game and what year was of that? all time. Uh, good question. Uh, listen, I've just taken over this, uh, this segment. <laughs> Don't grill me too much on, <laughs> on the back end. At, at least you asked a clear, precise question there, Pat. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that, is an, that is an impressive one. I mean, the two teams I would not have thought would be involved in that sort of game. So great question, Con. Not at all. Great. I just like to say, um, I just like to say, Dan, that's how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for joining us for another week. Remember, you can join us at wt underscore football on Twitter, and you can join us also on any of the podcast stations such as Podbean or SoundCloud or or Castbox, or even on iTunes. So just do a search for What the Football, and you'll see us. And we look forward to having your company next week when we have a bit of a lower table analysis and, and see who's going to be safe in the drop. But until then, have a great week, and we will see you all next week. Bye, guys. guys. Thanks, mate. Cheers, cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers. What the Football. Football. Football.